Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Betsperts. Scotch, scotch, scotch. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Uh, Andy, we're joking off air, but might as well make the make the statement here. Uh, if, if, um, Falcons Panthers was our 16th ranked power ranked podcast. This one's got to be number one. We get to talk about two bona fide contenders for the AFC in the LA chargers and the Kansas city chiefs today. Um, Yeah. Just, just like every other team every year that is in that tier of, you know, the, the teams that we believe can and will chase a Super Bowl ring with that. And granted somebody, some buddies always joins that tier during the season. There's mm-hmm. always surprises abound in the NFL. Always. This is, uh, they're always flawed. There's a, they're always flawed Super Bowl ring chasers. And these teams definitely have some, some flaws that might drag them down or maybe won't be as bad as we think they are. And we're going to go over all that and throw some cold water on these really, really good teams obviously but uh quick uh housekeeping first obviously we were mm. out there last week we'll be out there again circuit super super duper contests i don't know if they have a name for it millions, millions. dude the, circuit, <laughs> circuit millions i know i almost called it a super contest i don't know if it's got a name for that i'm sure it's got a name the one where you pick a team every week that has a name. It is the Circus Survivor. Survivor. No rake, no rake, no rake. All the money goes back into the pot. And as we talked mm-hmm. last week with Benson, there's quarterly prizes, booby prizes, different ways to make money, quarterly booby prizes, mm. all kinds of ways to play those. And uh, yeah, if you have any strategy questions, that might be a new addition to the Deep Dive Discord channel would be uh, contest channel where people could uh i've never like contributed anything like that to the discord because again it's not ours it, it's been user created and again if you want invites if you're going to be bugging me and dming for invites there better be a, a picture of a five-star review because uh, a couple <laughs> people did that like i've actually created value uh, of my time by doing that so good job to the discord lots of good conversations yeah. in there i i read a ton of that when i get some time in between making podcasts and tonight yeah chargers 2022 preview starting with the 2021 roller coaster i don't know if you want to i'll let you start with that the the up and down nature of last year's i mean it was first off herbert mm-hmm. no sophomore slump looked great oh no so- sophomore step yeah so- sophomore step forward There was was still a few, you know, mistakes, but granted the kid is still young and like no one has thrown for that many yards or that many touchdowns in their first two seasons. He is in elite company. He is a thousand yards ahead of the next guy as far as yardage for the first two years. It's wild what he's done. Still a few mistakes, but um, it was a new head coach and all that. And yeah, I mean, just uh, your takeaways from 2021. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's going into that season. Uh, let's remember that Staley was a uh, debut coach. He was taking the reins coming off of his role as the defensive coordinator of the Rams. 
Uh, we came into the season cautiously optimistic that the Chargers were going to be good because after his offensive rookie of the year campaign, uh, Herbert had so much promise. Um, and but but at the same time, we were trepidatious because there were a couple of small things about his statistical profile that seemed like they maybe fool's gold or just is this repeatable? This isn't obviously. Uh, you know, like he's better under pressure than he is in a clean pocket. What's that about? Yeah, he's better on split, third and fourth he? down than he is first and second down. What's that about? That's still a thing, uh, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that in a bit. I, I'm i starting to feel like that's not necessarily a Herbert thing. That's more of a how they're choosing to run the offense thing, but we'll see. Um, either way, there was a lot. There was a lot of reasons to be a somewhat trepidatious about him. And he answered the call by giving you basically – like one of the more impressive year two campaigns after the most impressive rookie campaign that we've ever seen. Um, you know, almost 40 touchdowns, uh, you know, 5,000 yards passing in his second year. Like this, I mean, these are, this is God mode stuff. And uh, it's pretty easy to see why when you wake up today in entering year three, Herbert is in the MVP chatter. You know, he's at the top of the board there with the likes of Josh Allen and Mahomes. Um, and the Chargers are power rated as one of the best teams in the AFC, despite not making the playoffs last year, which was crazy, crazy, crazy that they missed. Crazy. Um, at one point in time, they were what was their what was the high point for them? I guess it was probably their eight and five. They were co-leaders or leaders of the AFC West. And you're thinking like, man, if this team gets a couple of home games, they might be uh, thinking Super Bowl this year. Um, but then tough three and, you know, three, one and three down the stretch, you know, snap that dream, including just a gross loss to the Texans and, uh, you know, a pretty inexplicable loss to the Raiders in week uh, 18. But uh, it was a roller coaster. Every game was was must watch. I think there was only one game. It was the blowout loss to Baltimore. That was like, uh, like, uh, uh, don't even bother. Don't, even, don't, don't turn. Don't even bother watching. Like, you're not going to gain anything from rewatching that one. Like, they just no showed that day. Um, at Denver was another no show. Uh, but uh, otherwise, it was, uh, it was almost always entertaining watching these guys. And the Chargers are pretty obviously, you know, great looking uniforms, unbelievable social media team absolute star power at almost everywhere you want to look um you know this is a cool team to talk about cool team to watch and i'm very excited for their 2022 campaign uh what do you think of uh 2021 what, what are your major uh reflections and recollections yeah i mean just some weird stumbling blocks like when we get to kansas city it'll be funny because honestly i thought they did pretty good in the regular season if you actually look at you know how it went even through some early stumbles they didn't have like an embarrassing loss to a bad team whereas uh, the chargers the losses to like and granted minnesota wasn't horrible but mm -hmm. that's a home game that's a game if you want to be a playoff contender you got to take that win uh the loss to the broncos again it's at denver but still that's a game you really really have to like that was that was a really odd game i remember watching that and then just the late season stuff you had kansas city in a spot where you could have won that game that was rough the, the worst one easily easily being 
you know, Houston, but still like the, the Raiders game. And that, that's the thing. And that was pointed out in someone else's preview was, Hey, guess what? Don't lose to Houston. And then you don't have to worry about this stupid right. tie thing with the Raiders, which, uh, you know, you lost two overtime games. You lost to a couple teams you shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a problem with that first part of the season. The Ravens, the Ravens game was weird. No yeah. show. It was a weird no show before the bye week. And again, it was at Baltimore, but the fact that they lost by that much. Like if, if that was a game that it was a competitive game with a, a good team and with an experienced coaching staff and you know, whatever. But I mean they, they I mean, just that, completely no showed that after. was a cla- that was a classic handicapping spot though, you know? You know yeah, weird, I mean? maybe a weird like, letdown spot after the Cleveland That's like game. the old school sharps were all over the Ravens there. You had a yeah. uh you had a Chargers team flying across the country after two home games where you beat the crap out of a divisional rival in the Raiders uh and then you have an absolute boat race with Cleveland and uh dispatch fun. them in impressive fashion. That was what that standalone performance by the Chargers offense against the Cleveland Browns defense was one of the best offensive grades I gave any team all year they were unbelievable in that game if you want to reflect a little bit on uh kind of you know like oh that like it wasn't it wasn't the upset of the Chiefs in week three it wasn't the 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 destroying of the undefeated Raiders in week four that really kind of warmed people up on the Chargers it was that week five game for sure they were small favorites at home and they went for it uh pretty aggressively in that game they went for it three times, converted all three fourth downs, uh, and just in general, like had some just incredible explosive plays. They answered every time they got punched in the face. They answered. Um, you know, Cleveland comes through, gets a 71-yard pass to David Njoku. They respond right away with a drive of their own uh, to tie the game. Uh, Browns come back, score, uh, go up seven points with four, you know, what, four minutes remaining. Uh, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. The the Chargers score the final two touchdowns of the game and win by uh, winning cover uh, by five. 26 fourth quarter points. God, that was a good game. Um, so what in heck happened? Uh, why in the world did this team ultimately miss the playoffs? People will point to the going forward on fourth down and like that was somehow a risky, controversial decision making that, Staley was kind of implementing all season last year, but that is not even remotely in the discussion of why things went wrong. It was entirely because of the run defense. Entirely. And and to be fair, because I think some people will point this out, a couple of those fourth down decisions came in high leverage spots, including the last game. And uh, I think the... I don't even know if it's the play calling. Maybe the the offense could have been a little better set up for. I feel like I got to go back and find this. Maybe it was Football Outsiders. They pointed out like, hey, if you're going to be the guy that goes for like every fourth and short, maybe you should be better set up on your roster to go for it on fourth and short. That okay. like, like that, okay. which is a, which is a fair point. But yes, this run defense was like. Putrid. Damn near, damn near historically Put- bad. Putrid, like th- th- putrid, th- putrid. There was a a massive, massive, massive problem, and we talk about that time and time again with like uh, game state. And when you get in late in the game and you are trailing, if you can't stop the other team from running, you're not going to get the ball back because they're just going to, you know, if they're cracking off four or five yards of carry, they're just going to mm-hmm. continually get first downs. You're not going to get the ball back, 
And the other part is too, it just, you, a team can be more one dimensional if you, they know you can't stop it. And again, that that's easier to game plan knowing like, well, just, Hey, we have a good run scheme and a good running back. We're not going to have to worry about beating some of these high end corners. And we're not going to have to worry about this high end pass rush. If we can just run the ball. And I mean, there was numerous teams that, cracked a hundred yards in the first half. There was uh, a couple teams that had some, I mean, there was 150 yard rushers against this team. It was, it was rough. It was really the, rough at times. The Browns game I referenced, they ran for 230 yards in that game, and three yeah. touchdowns. Like the Browns running backs, the problem was they were scoring too quickly and they kept giving the Chargers the ball back. Like yeah. that was, uh, uh, that's, that's absolutely wild. Um, so the defense was weirdly the problem, which is, again, not something that I think a lot of people expected coming into the season, considering they brought in Brandon Staley, who was sort of the mastermind of a pretty decent, you know, pretty, pretty. He was at the cutting edge of the, you know, the the too high safety trend in the NFL. Uh, the problem was the way that that team was rostered. Uh, they could not run fit to save their lives. Um, and Staley never really adjusted. Um, he was basically like, ah, I have confidence in our offense being able to score one, you know, have the ball last, score one more point. And yeah, I had to, I had to pull yeah. up this Texans box score just to see, <clears throat> first off, who the running back was. Wasn't it Philip Lindsay? <laughs> that was like a Philip no. Lindsay day, wasn't it? No, it was Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead day. Yeah. 22 rushes, 149 yards. Jesus Christ. And he probably won somebody not, a fantasy not, title of some it's sort. It's not like he had some. You know, when you when you see a gaudy stat line like that, be like, well, if you took out that 80 yard run, it's not that good of a day. His long was only a 36. Jeez. And I mean, he had two touchdowns as well. It's if you that, that's how you lose to a bad team is you let someone yeah. like Rex Burkhead run all over you. And that, that's again, if you win that game, all you have to do is beat the fucking Texans. You're in the playoffs. It's a playoff team. But it's all the things we said about all the nice things we said about uh, Justin Herbert. And all this yardage, you know, he's, you know, he beat Marino out for the most touchdowns in his first two seasons. They only won 16 out of 33 games in those first two years. Didn't make yeah. the playoff neither. That's less than half. So like now yeah. you need to turn this into team success. And a lot of that does come down to the, the roster building, the scheming, the, you know, maybe giving, maybe the most important sophomore year isn't Herbert's last year. It's Staley's this year. And what we can Ooh, see from him, that's a great take. That's right. That's that a fun here. take. Yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah. Wrote that. that was that was off the that was a little off the cuff. But uh, like a lot it. of my notes, a lot of my notes are about like, man, and you know, Femi brought it up in the chat already, and you brought it up as well. He was a defensive minded head coach, and I guess this year we'll find out if it was. Uh, it's easier with Aaron Donald, or it's you know, it's it's easier when you're not also running the team, or if it just was a little bit of we didn't have the personnel because Tillery sucked and I think Linval Joseph Murray. Was, yeah we got I mean, we, we got we got to bring up the the uh, the first round selection of Kenneth Murray um oh my god my grade on him is so low it seems impossible <laughs> especially for a first rounder like it looks like I made a a, a calculation error <laughs> like um but no it's a uh, that this watching the Chargers last year like this is sort of the philosophy that I got to um, because it was pretty common. A lot of smart people we talked to are friends of PFF, uh, you know, people in the analytics community or, you know, people who are like run the running game doesn't really matter. Like 
Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if, you know, they, they they will they will caveat that that's a an oversimplification of the point they're trying to make. Uh, you know, the running game matters obviously in sh- short yardage situations, and the running game matters if you are at a deficit and you need to get the ball back. You better be able to stop the run. And so I think there's effectively like a Mendoza line, for lack of a better word, in terms of a run defensive like capability. And if you are below that Mendoza line, then you put your team at like an undue burden in terms of being able to win football games. And that's where the Chargers found themselves. They were on the wrong side of the Mendoza line from a run defense standpoint last year. And it cost them a playoff spot. And you know what? It's kind of inexcusable. Because in the same kind of way that we lauded the Eagles for at least getting a playoff game out of uh, Jalen Hurts, even if it was awful, like he got his stinker out of the way. Uh, and, uh, you know, like, you know, we, we've talked in the past about like, um, you know, it's good to kind of get, you know, get your guy a little bit of playoff experience. Like, God damn, would I feel better about the Chargers' chances of winning the AFC this year if they had at least gotten a playoff game for Herbert. At least give him an opportunity to feel the, you know, to get the nerves up, to be on the road in a playoff environment would have been nice if you yeah. feel like this is the team that's ultimately going to win, you know, win a, win a win some sort of championship. I'm trying to think of it because I mean it wasn't that long ago that it's like, oh my God, this is a you know, you got to stop the run because teams did run more. I'm trying to think of the analogy for this because it's like, it's almost like out of sight, out of mind. I'm tr- like, you would, you would still notice if somebody had an amazing run defense that does not go unnoticed, but it's like the, it's like a toy. You go to someone's house and like, they have the most amazing bidet with like a million buttons. You're going to tell somebody about that. But like 99% of, <laughs> 99% of toilets is like, that's a toilet. But also if like, hey, this thing is overflowing and shit is coming out of the pipes backwards, like you'll also notice that. Like sure. you're not going to – like it's just run defenses like that where 90, 90% of the time it's like, yeah, it's it, it doesn't matter because like it's not that bad, it's not that good. But like, again, you will laud a, an amazing run defense. And you will yeah. remember a run defense that's so bad that it affected the outcome of the season yeah. like this. Because, yeah, a lot of teams, it's just, eh, you know, it's like it has a really, really fat middle and really, mm-hmm. really short tails that as far as mattering. And this this run defense did matter. Because, again, if you give up a game like that to Rex Burkhead, you're going to remember that because it did cost you yeah. essentially a, a spot in the playoff game. It did. It did, and, and again, um, I don't. I don't think like even if they would have cleaned that up, it's not a team that we're probably expecting to have a deep run. But man, if they would have been healthy in the playoffs, they'd have had a pain in the ass to beat. They would have been a nightmare to face. Yeah, yeah for sure. Like they're they're a team that rattles stuff up. They could rattle off a win or two. Yeah, they hmm. would have. That, yeah, they would have been. I mean, to, to like talk about the difference in terms of the uh, Chiefs specifically. They got a round one opponent against the Steelers. <laughs> yeah. They were what 10 point favorites in that game? They were huge favorites in that game. That game was not any Steelers. fun. No, it was not. It was completely forgettable, even though they put that game on Sunday Night Football. Is that right? <laughs> the last yeah, yeah, two, yeah, yeah. the last two Pittsburgh Steelers playoff games have been Oof. something. Well, Do you remember nah, the one with the, the Brown Steelers the... one was fun. 
That one was wild. <laughs> fun. It wasn't it was fun for wild. a Steelers fan. It was no, no, immediately no. off the rail. Like you, you snapped your fingers. It was like twenty-eight nothing. It was really something. But um, back to back, back to the Chargers. We we have it all in on Herb. Herb, boy, I can't say Herb very well. Maybe that's my Minnesota accent. Herb. That is. That is what we've talked about with a bunch of these teams. You're at this spot where you have a third-year quarterback, and Mm -hmm. there's not many teams who find themselves this much catbird seating. That's not a way to say that at all. But there's plenty of teams that say, like, hey, we have a good quarterback on on a rookie contract. Like, it's time to go and build the rest of this roster. This is the 1% of that. Yes. You don't have a good quarterback. Your ceiling is you have a top five quarterback on a rookie deal. You you've Mahomes it. You know, obviously Mahomes' skill set is different, but you've found yourself in such a unique situation that it's wild that it just happened with somebody else in your division so recently. True. But it's it's crazy because it doesn't feel like this happens that often. And the ceiling is so high for this kid. So build around him and i don't know like the the eckler thing maybe gets a little uh under talked about because it wasn't a team that you know made the playoffs made a made a run did stuff last year but eckler the wide receiver room you have a lot of weapons like this offense could be very very fun and i don't know like i, I wanted to where i wanted to get to was half of this offensive line is shit and i wanted to hear your kind of your grading on that and then you know the the defense and the offense work there's a bit of a symbiotic relationship like we talked about. You can't get the ball back if the other team can run, run, run on you. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear your thoughts on what they did to address the holes in the roster during the offseason, notably offensive line. And I mean, it's just, I'm not even going to say position, just run stopping or defensive prowess and planning in general. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, I didn't really love the way they addressed either of those things, I guess, is the answer. Um, It seems like they have a decent ability to evaluate offensive linemen in the draft based on the drafting of Slater last year. Um, Slater last year, we talked about it with Will, got all pro vote? No, rookie of the year. He got rookie of the year votes, rightfully so. Um, I had him in rare air among all tackles uh, and the best rookie tackle grade I've given in a long time. Uh, He was amazing. Um, And they went back to the well with an offensive lineman in the first round this year, taking Zion Uh, and reports from everyone involved seem to point that that he's going to be an immediate contributor and help really elevate that line. Um, And I buy that. But the right tackle is still a huge question mark. Huge question mark. Right now, it is slated that Trey Pipkins the third is going to be taking those snaps. Uh, last year, we saw a lot of Storm Norton. Um, Call him TP, TP3, but yeah. TP3. Um, TP3. Yeah, Sto- Storm Norton, if you go look at any sort of rating system, was well, well, well beyond replacement level. Mm. So like, you, you not only nailed drafting, uh, an offensive lineman. You brought in a free agent offensive lineman at center yeah. that is still at a high level. But yeah, the, the right side of the line is 
a real big issue right now. And yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know much about TP three. I know storm Norton sucked. Like it's not going to get worse. I don't I, think. Yeah. I mean, I think the right side of your line though, because the center is good. Corey Lindsley is good. Uh, I don't have any s- strong read on the left guard, Matt Filer. Um, Trey Pipkins, the third, uh, you know, it's not, doesn't really move the needle for you, but you know, if that's the one, you know, if you, if you have just a couple of weak links and you can kind of help shade the right side of your line, you know, to cover up it in games where you're going up against an especially strong pass rush on that side, that's fine. But you know what else though? Guess who plays well under pressure? Herbert. So who cares? (laughs) Like, Great, like, you know, like almost, I, I, I'm almost more inclined to say taking a guard and in potentially boosting the production of your run game so you can put away leads so you don't have to give the other team the ball back. Uh, like, if that's what you ultimately get out of Zion, then that's solid. Um, so uh, the fact that the right tackle is still a huge question mark doesn't really bother me. Um, the defensive side of things, though, is spooky still. And, like, if we ultimately get to the finish line here and the run defense is still a massive liability for this team that could be their undoing at the you know either at to get into the playoffs in a crowded afc or to do anything in the playoffs um i don't love the run stopping ability of this roster still um they go out and acquire uh another pass rush in Khalil Mack. So now you have, you're running a 3-4 with Bosa and Khalil Mack as your outside linebackers. Okay. Um, the interior of your line, Morgan Fox, Sebastian Joseph Day, and Austin Johnson, all of those guys are replacement level. I'm not really, really excited about any of those guys. Uh, and, you know, if, if, uh, if, uh, the linebacking core isn't upgraded just bit through kind of the, the interior linebacking core isn't an upgrade just through um, scheme and coaching, then I think you still have a problem here stopping the run. Ken, Kenneth Murray Jr. looks like he's coming back in the interior of that offensive line. He is a huge, huge question mark in terms of his ability to ever contribute. Drew Quank, Tranquil, same story. Uh, not a guy that I have an especially high grade on. Um so yeah, that the it doesn't look obvious to me that the major leak in the ship was solved. What do you think? Trey Pipkin, I wasn't listening to any of that. Trey Pipkin <laughs> went to the same high school as this Duke basketball standout and NBA high school. Yeah. Tyus Jones. He is an, oh. I, I, I'm like, God, I know this kid's name for some reason. Cause he's a local. He he went to the University of Sioux Falls, which is like D2, man. Like not even FB oh. or FCS. It's D2. So I remember it was a weird draft pick and yeah, Apple Valley school nobody likes. But Pipkins, uh yeah, he Pipkins, started I, two games last year, five the year before, three the year before that. He's never had an especially outstanding performance a, that I could tell you. Yeah bit of a project that hasn't certainly panned out so yeah and i was listening everything you said pretty much agree with and it was a bit of a weird like how are we addressing the issues i will address other things like instead of making i guess that's the question if you have weaknesses on a team 
-hmm. Do you address them or do you make your strengths so strong that the weaknesses go away? That doesn't always work where it's like, ah, man, you know, JC Jackson isn't like, you just not throw at him. <laughs> you still can't stop the run. Like I, I you know, you, you can make this defensive secondary even better. Yeah. But, like that doesn't, that doesn't stop the run. And again, I, they they go out and and Khalil Mack, to be fair, has a good grade against the run. Like sure. he's known as a he's known as a pass rusher. He can help that. So like there is a little bit of a boost. It was there. really the interior though that were the yeah, problem like, was. You, that's you, the you problem. still yeah, and that that was the thing. Like Khalil Mack's and that, that's what I was gonna bring up. Khalil Mack's run stopping grade may have been good because the bears had good defensive tackles for most of those years. Sure. Like it, it is, it's still a team game. And as much as we try to look at individual grades, your grades are going to look better. And like, let's say a, an edge brushers run stopping ability is going to look better when you're able to have big defensive tackles, eating up two guys and forcing people into your gap. Okay. Like it's, you know, it, it, it's tough. To, like, so they, yeah, they, they improve pass rush. They improve secondary, and it Here's really the, turns into I'm, I'm really, really worried about this defense. I yeah, the run defense specific. Okay, so you bring in Sebastian Joseph Day when you could have potentially gotten a guy like Akeem Hicks to go with Khalil Mack, which would have been nice. Um, Sebastian Joseph Day had his best year two years ago when he was in Brandon Staley's defense. He was actually graded very well that year, but you know why? Because he had Aaron fucking Donald next to him. <laughs> so he had like like he had he, he was he was allowed to run amok, right? Like he was he was wreaking havoc. <laughs> He's like, what? Nobody's blocking me. They got three hats on Aaron, right? So it's like it's it's tough for me to say that Sebastian Joseph Day is going to be the answer. But if if Staley brought him in because he's like, look, that guy did what I wanted him to do in run fit, then okay, give it a give it a whirl. Um, I'm you know, there's there's still. That that is still a question. They 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 just need to get to that Mendoza line of run defense, and then everything make it else where it's is not a good. glaring weakness. Yeah, because otherwise this defense is absolutely gnarly. You have two elite pass rushers on the outside. You have a coverage unit that has to be top two, if not top one, in the NFL. Has to be just on raw talent. So just everything i've read and then some of the stuff i was able to watch there's a really good chance it's top one because obviously jc jackson very very good and asante samuel has been very good in at least what we've seen um but the, the like michael davis was supposed to be you know playing depth he's pushing for the starting job at this point yeah. Over over Samuel, like they essentially, and I mean, coach coaches come out and said this. He's like, both of these guys are a starting cornerback in the league. So, in, you know, in, in so many words, he said that's a good problem to have. So you have like three corners that would start on a ton of teams, which yeah. is super super good. When I, like, I think Nasir Adderley is you your have four worst safety. You have four. Yeah. Bryce yeah. Callahan. Is very that's very fair. good. That's fair. I, I this the whole the whole secondary is yeah. If that's if that's your ridiculous. nickel guy, it's ridiculous. Like you're you're very very yeah. very good. And, and then, you might and you might have the best safety in football in Derwin James. 
if he probably you know, assuming he stays healthy, he's up there as the best safety. Yeah, good football, timing certainly. for that today. He yeah. uh, he got his money. He'll be uh, getting stuff from camp. He should be participating in seven on seven next week. Just you know, you ramp up to getting back to that. So yeah, so be able to see him playing a little bit with the or practicing a little next week, which will be fun. And yeah, if if everyone in that secondary stays healthy, that's like straight up shutdown shit. Yeah, and you know what makes secondary players even better when Joey Bosa's. Um, stopping a pass before it even gets there because he's 6'5 and he bats a lot of shit down and yeah. Cleo Max coming from the other side. It could be and it's funny, like all these great players, like the the ceiling for Jackson, James, Bosa, and um God why and Mac, the ceiling for all those guys this year is all pro. Like yeah, all pro. Of and course. we're still talking about this defense as a major weak <laughs> spot for this team. Well, so and here's this, the thing. Well, he, this is the, and this is where some of the roster construction is a little bit of a head scratch. Like, you 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 they I, I you get applauds by me by going all in on her on this roster with Herbert. Like, mm-hmm. you stand back and you look at the talent across the board, and you have strength. You've you've strengthened. You said it right. You have strengthened your strengths to the absolute uh, gills here. And, you know, like there is a compounding effect when it comes to defense where if you have Mac and Bosa out there in pass rush form, you know, in a, in a, in a must pass situation because you have a seven point lead and it's the last four minutes of a game like that, they, by, by definition, they will help each other both being on the field at the same time because you can only dedicate so much attention to one guy. Same with the coverage. Like, there's not a weak link in this coverage unit. So the the idea that there's going to be an obvious way to pass on these guys in a must pass situation is not 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 clear to me. Um, the question is, you just have to have the lead, uh, and you know you have to have the ball. And if the other team is milking the clock, and you're you know you, you can't get off the field, and they've you know Rex Burkhead's putting 180 on you, then you know that's that that doesn't really you know none of that is uh is is being helped here and so the question is did you invest in the right positions do you is going strength adding strength to your our existing strength is that the right call and we'll learn that for sure yeah i, I was gonna say my final thought on this before we talk fourth downs sure. we're gonna talk fourth downs is we're not nfl coaches and you know maybe and rome was not built in a day Sure. And maybe maybe Staley knows what he's doing and we're just going to be fine because a lot of things aren't always not everything is fixed with personnel. Sometimes it is scheme and sometimes scheme is based on personnel. And from 2020 to 2021, they jacked up the blitz percentage a shitload. And maybe that is maybe they're able to dial that back down because of having you know edge rushers that allow you pressure with only four up front. And that allows you an extra guy in the box. Um, maybe by having essentially, like you said, because yeah, I, I can't believe I missed Callahan. I mean, that's a that's a really good slot corner too in Callahan. Yeah, by having four cornerbacks who are good to great to elite and an elite safety. Yeah, maybe you're you're able to bring extra guys up into the box, and just by having strengths at those two levels, maybe you're able to just stack more boxes and the run defense gets good by attrition by just hey there's more people there it's going to be harder to run because the, the box is naturally heavier because we don't need to help the corner we don't need to bring extra blitzers 
run defense gets a little better. That's that's okay. my thesis at the end is if if Staley knows what he's doing and that's the plan, then this team's going to be great. Okay, so let me ask you then to put a bow on the all in on Herb. Justin Herbert taking one pick after Tua Tagovailoa. Tagovailoa. Do you think if given the in a vacuum, with Chargers electing to go J.C. Jackson uh, and Khalil Mack in their all-in investments as opposed to Teron Armstead and Tyreek Hill, is that which of those two makes more sense to you? And well, I, let, me, let me throw. Obvious. Let me let me throw. Let me the throw, surface, uh, it's the other one. Right, and let's throw Akeem Hicks into the mix, like Sebastian Joseph Day or Akeem Hicks. Like, like there's there there was a an alternate universe where the brain trust went. We're shoring up the tackle opposite our all pro. <laughs> we're getting another weapon for our young quarterback who's all pro, and we're gonna do a better job with run defense by getting you know some big bodies up the Akeem middle Hicks, who are yeah. elite, like. It does seem like that would have been, like, I, I, yeah, like you, you're probably no, betting no, Chargers no. to win the West at that point, right? Like oh, you're not even you're not over, you're not overthinking. And that, no, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at as a guy who sits in an office rather than in a football coaching office. Whereas, like, so there, there's two paths: either Staley knows what he's doing and this was the plan, because that just seems so obvious to do that instead. Or the Chargers are just horrible at looking looking in the mirror, being retrospective, self-evaluation. Like they're just so bad at that that they can't see. And it's just a full, a full um, you know, Emperor's New Clothes situation that they're blind to this was the this was the way to go. And I don't believe it's that way. So I'm gonna I give think, benefit I, of the I doubt. Think it's I think it's probably it's not one, it's not binary, it's probably halfway no, no, in between. No, no. I, I think Number one, you were never getting Tyreek Hill, so that was an unfair comp to say. Why didn't no, they go get other Tyreek Hill? But there were other wide receivers, so keep. I I, I recognize that, but I, this was just a thought exercise. Yeah, you made such an of, obvious one where it's like, oh, yeah, 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 I'd take that. Yeah, I'd rather have Tyreek Hill with Justin Herbert. Yeah, sign me up. <laughs> Chiefs weren't going to let you do that. Yeah, um, by Jersey. But like, they, this is kind of a perfect pivot. And before before going there. Applause to Femi. He found 125 to one on Joey Bosa. I can't believe anyone wrote that ticket. They somebody's getting fired. That should that's an absolutely absurd price um, for defensive player of the year. Uh, the the possibility exists that they it's not an emperor's new clothes thing, but it is literally like, hey, the analytics have told us that we need to prioritize defending the pass over defending the run, and therefore. We're going to get JC Jackson, <laughs> even though our secondary already fucking rocks. <laughs> and so it's it's there's a it's a possibility that they are, you know, kind of misapplying some of the key lessons of analytics or and or they just haven't figured out and they're going to figure out the hard way that they're below the Mendoza line on run defense and that that's a problem. Um, I don't know. It, it, and analytics is probably the the next thing to talk about because in terms yeah, we, of in-game decision making. True or false in terms of in-game decision making, the Chargers showed us last year the most um, correct application of in-game decision making that we've ever seen to this point in the NFL. True or false? It's it's true, and it, they could do it again, and they could cost themselves 
three or four games by making, you know, what is what the traditional, you know, status quo NFL would call risky situation fourth downs. They could they could lose games on these, but at the same at the same beat, they could win three or four games by making those decisions in, you know, late game. It's funny. Everyone looks at those fourth downs late in the game because they do have a higher win probability swing one way or the other. But yeah. I and, mean, and also everybody, you, everybody wants to look at those from a negative, like, Oh man, you could cost yourself some games with those fourth down decisions. The games you, you were going to lose anyway. Yeah. Or, or you could on well, the, the same swing, you could win two or three games on those like you know those have a high win probability swings and the swing to the positive is usually more than the negative as we've seen by just anybody who grades those out and it's it sucks because the nfl is a smallish sample size to other sports and uh we're going to no matter what happens at the end of the year we're going to focus in on a couple of those the media will for sure like oh, oh man yeah, sure. they could have beat this team and it, it's oh it's yeah, low hanging it's low hanging fruit for the uh, idiots it, out there yeah one it's 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 the bad beat analogy from betting like everyone remembers when oh what's uh, you know somebody's everyone one well, it's it's uh loss aversion God, loss aversion yeah, yeah. No. But everyone remembers the bad beat that they lost because no. that was the right handicap and they should have deserved better. But nobody remembers the exact same situation when they bet the other side. Like, ah, I deserve that win. Like yeah, that right. variance at the end, yeah. I deserve that. That was owed to me. So you yeah. don't remember when going for it was uh, beneficial. And uh, yeah, they they were 22 of 34 on fourth down. They set the record for more fourth down conversions. They set the record for most two-point conversions. Like, Is that right? They were, uh, aggressive and that's awesome it's fun and yeah the it'll be a while before that most people come around on that and yeah they no they no no make... no this year at least the colts and the bills are going to be in that camp no i i mean media like other oh, teams yeah, are, sure. yeah teams okay, sure, teams sure, will come sure. teams will come around faster than announcers yeah yeah i watch the nfl on mute man johnny makes and a yes, great I... point if you have a quarterback that's as good as justin herbert you might as well go for it on every yeah. single possible fourth down because every play that your quarterback has the ball in his hands on yeah. offense, you have a higher EP expected outcome in terms of adding to your win probability than if you put that same ball in the hands of the punter. Yep. So realistically, the composite, you know, like the, the people who are doing the good work on fourth down probability and who are accurately modeling, number one, what is the current state of the game? That is solved. It's solved. Don't overthink it. <laughs> like if you if you thought if you think the current state of the game win probability isn't solved, then why are the you know the most savvy people in the sports betting space trying to figure out how to get more you know liquidity into the live odds? Why? <laughs> you know, answers the question right there. Like it's been solved. So number one what the current state is is not in question what the state after the outcome of the go for it yay or no is solved as well and so, so like the idea that there's not a correct answer a mathematically correct answer is or at bullshit. least close enough <laughs> yes. where close enough to yeah. correct where 95% of situations are obvious that yes it's no and there's always it's like Somebody was talking blackjack with me, and it's like hitting sure. your twelve against a two. Sure, like it, it's it's not a big enough swing where 
doing it the wrong way is going to ruin you. Yeah. But it's a positive swing. And most of, most of these fourth down calls are more like, yeah, I should, you know, I should hit this 14 against an ace because <laughs> yeah, most of the right. time the dealer has a better hand than me. So it's the same thing. And um, talking about filling needs, maybe yeah. a, a sneaky low key one was drafting a fullback. Oh, oh, you know, oh, they're low, a little better equipped to get that hard yeah, yard, huh? Just, just get getting that. If you're going to go oh, for dude. it, at least be good at short yardage situations. Andy, you thank you for it. bringing this up because you just reminded me of one of my biggest pet peeves of all last season. I love it. Book says it. It does. Um, <laughs> that should be biggest... the name of the Chargers. The book says it. You know what one of my biggest pet peeves of all last season was and one of the most important things that Justin Herbert needed to work on the quarterback sneak. He is so bad. So it's, just, it's so uncomfortable to watch him try to QB. Sit and watch Patriots film, sit and watch I, Cam Newton film. And you know what's He's the, huge. Dude. You know He's you know what the funniest dude. part about that is? You know who he reminds me of? Who also was horrific at the QB sneak? Philip Rivers. <laughs> What is it about the Chargers that they can't get a quarterback who can get that yard? It's absolutely bananas to me. Uh, Hopefully he has worked on that. Hopefully he has worked on that and he has a better way to get that hard yard this year uh, himself. Um, But, but fundamentally there, the only thing that in my mind at least has not appropriately been solved from a mathematical standpoint is like true end of game stuff. Right. Like where you are literally yeah. like, like, a, like the best, the only thing that really pops in my mind is because that turns into the, chess. Yeah, like how much, the, what yeah, can the they end, do now to keep yeah, the ball away from me? Right. The end of Packers bucks is the only one that I think like stands out in my, my mind as like, that wasn't obviously the right answer mathematically because the decision you made was the only decision that you could potentially never see the ball again. Right. Like that was the only, you know, like there was, one potential end of game scenario that affects you. Um, otherwise, I think they're, you know, just kind of trusting the numbers and all of this stuff is the correct answer. And the borderline stuff, let your coach make a choice and don't give him shit about it. You know, he's, he's being informed correctly. So, um, yeah, the, the, you know, yeah. And, and people think of the chargers last year and they think of, they embraced variants and it bit him in the ass. And that's why they didn't go absolute lunacy. Like literally the two most the two most important games in the first half of their season, their win against the Chiefs and their win against the Browns were almost specifically because they took they picked up the low hanging fruit in those games. And to you know, to claim otherwise is uh is doing so, you know, complete in making it you're making an ass of yourself, frankly. You're telling you on yourself. Happened. Yeah, when you're you when you yourself. assume you're telling on yourself, yeah, you make an ass out of you and me. And but no, frankly, if you are if you're out there and doing commentary, or if you're reflecting on games and you're bringing up the fourth down decision making, like you're telling on yourself at this point. So let's look at the yeah, schedule. They they were. I'm looking because I, I think I feel like that Browns game. There was a couple, but they only had one fourth down conversion in that uh, Chiefs game, but it was one of one, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, I mean, they went for they went for it three times against the Browns, and you know how many they made? All three. Yeah. So when you right. make when you make those calls <laughs> and it works out, that's how you beat teams like that during the regular season. So yeah, looking at the schedule, I mean, 15, 16 wins. <laughs> and there's coin flips, and again, it is a 
we yeah. joked about this with the the lesser of halves of this division. Why would you go all in when the division's so tough? Well, the Chargers don't have a goddamn choice. They have to. They have a like we said, a top five quarterback on a rookie deal. You don't. It doesn't matter if you have Patrick Mahomes in your division, your backyard, or your bathroom. You have to go all in. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. You have to. This is it. This is your time. These windows don't open all the time. Chargers haven't done a whole lot of anything for a while, and yeah, let's let's go. It's a tough division. So what? You still play Jacksonville, Houston. Yeah. You play Seattle. You play Atlanta. There's a bunch of, again. You have some rollovers. You got to get those done. You got to make sure you don't do things like last year and lose to these rollovers. But a lot of these coin flip teams, I think they're considerably better. I think uh, the market's a little lower on some of these teams or on, on the Chargers than I would be slightly. And a few of these teams that they play, the market's a little higher than I am. So I have this team winning more games than what's implied. And again, it, a lot of it will hinge on like if Denver and Vegas are a little better than, or, you know, hit the high end of their range, then this is, it's still a pretty tough schedule with again, the the five or six gimmies, but it's, it's not a walkover for sure. There's a lot of coin flips and it's a tough division. Yeah, no, this schedule is, has every whiff of last undefeated team. It starts out soft. If they can beat Kansas City week two, which that's, is entirely possible, yeah. then this is then 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 they're dancing. Um, I think we're gonna get three and a half on the Chargers on Thursday night football week two. That's my cause my read is that the Chargers Vegas game week one is gonna be pretty competitive. I don't think that's gonna be a blowout at all. I, I think that'll be a very competitive game. Chargers probably win, but three and a half plus three and a half in my mind is a fair but bettable number. Um Week, but also week one, I think Kansas City blows doors off of the Cardinals. We'll get there. I've already bet that. I think Kansas City is going to expose the Cardinals, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so presumably, people may be higher on KC for that week two game and a little lukewarm on the Chargers after week one. So there may be a three and a half there, which I will take. Um, but money line is probably bettable as well. Then from there you get to flex a little and you get to play Jacksonville, Houston, probably Jacoby Brissett. Um, we talked about it uh, last uh, on Monday. Uh, the Brandon Staley defensive scheme is a specifically great matchup against Russell Wilson. I think the chargers getting two wins against Denver. I put, I'm not saying put it in pen, but seems likely to me. Uh, okay. And then you get the lousy Seahawks, a bye, and the lousy Falcons. So this, like, realistically, you could be eight zero through but, week nine. And even so, even your double road games and uh, granted, the the Houston Cleveland thing isn't great because it's back to back. But at least it's Houston and a Deshaun Watless, Deshaun Watsonless Cleveland. Then True. the other back to backs are ending with a West Coast game at the Niners a double West coast in Arizona, Vegas. So like those aren't as bad bad of back-to-backs because your second leg or in the case of the Arizona Vegas one, both legs are local-ish. Yeah. Those aren't terrible travel spots. The Denver one isn't great. Like playing Denver at altitude at the end of the year in maybe bad conditions is rough, but really like that. And that to that point, that's what decides who goes to the Super Bowl. I think in the, in the AFC is, does Justin Herbert get to play at home? 
Yeah. In the title game, or does he have to go to Snowy Buffalo? God, see, I, all three of that. So let's break let's break down the whole end of this schedule because eight and zero on the table, seven and one on the table. Like, the last four like, is not like, great like, though. Like it, okay, he fundamentally, if you love the Chargers, you probably should take future positions on them now because they are going to get shorter between now and November thirteenth. Okay, then things get super duper interesting. San Francisco, KC, Arizona, Vegas, all expected to be coin flip games. Like three out of four on the road. Three out of four on the road. That like real challenging there. Um, you know, San Francisco, especially if with their dynamic running attack, is is potentially pops your bubble of undefeated. Um, God, and that's on Sunday night football. <laughs> Fucking great, great job by the schedule makers. Let's get some Justin Herbert Trey Lance on Sunday night football. Man, well, well played. Um, similarly, Monday Night Football, Chargers at Indy. Boy, does that feel high leverage for ultimately like a two-seed, three-seed type of battle, right? Like if I'm going to pencil in the Bills, who I am increasingly bullish on in a increasingly pessimistic division, <laughs> and, you know, the AFC East is falling in my eyes since we even did those pods. Um, mm-hmm. And if the Bills are the clear one seed just because of those six wins in division, um, that Indy Chargers game week 16 looks like the 2-3, kind of a flip-flop. And or can the Chargers secure the West in that game, um, which is exciting. Like, that's very cool. Um, and then they get the Rams the next week. God, the Rams are going to be tuning up for a playoff push. Like, And then Denver for the final week. Those last, those last three games are just flat-out awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And travel disadvantage in all three. So um, we may be betting against the Chargers down the stretch this week, this year. Especially if if there's a big change in, you know, the market value of those teams and you're getting maybe an overvalued Chargers team that we still think does well in the long run, but plus it's maybe against when running starts to matter more. Yeah. So, all right. uh, Quick look at the odds before we. Ooh. That Colts game. That feels not great, right? Jonathan Taylor. Well, yeah, I, I get it. If, if the rush defense ooh. isn't better by then, no. I mean, that, ooh, ooh, that's ooh, a, ooh. A, a road game late in the season against a yeah, good Derek, team. Derek Henry and Jonathan Taylor in back-to-back weeks. Ooh, ooh, ooh boy. Yeah, your hope is they're final by then. <laughs> the, final, the, too much. the final quarter swoon is... A real possibility, which means that's that's where you're able to add some positions, like, like Chiefs uh, to win the West at Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or Chiefs to win the AFC at a good price. Chiefs to win the AFC, Cincy, whoever you like at that point. So, oh man, I feel uh, bad. I really wanted this team to reach their potential, but boy, I don't love that now. Damn, it's not a soft landing, especially if no. Denver's competitive at that point. Yeah, they got a freaking crazy good rush attack too. Um, like if they get right. a lead in that game, you're screwed. 14 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. It's a little long. Like a, yeah. I could bet that. I, I could, could I would that. I can consider that. My my one bet I would place on here would be the, the West price. I think the Super still, Bowl. Yeah, I think it's it should be it should it should be south of two. Minus two or five. One eighty, I make it. Okay. Super Bowl, I think, gets to seven to one around Halloween. What do you think? Yeah, Last no, I mean, team, these are one, five if you're one, the maybe? kind of person who likes to cash out a bet, 
I would bet the Chargers right now. That's your, in fact, that's your betting plan of attack. Is <laughs> find find a find a book that cashes out. Bet twice as much as you want to, and then cash out half of those cash tickets out at Halloween. that fucking Halloween yeah. and go throw a Halloween party. Uh, and then can... uh, Wilk, Wilkman has a good point yeah, too. Good. That schedule was, it's an easy start sure. if you go one and one. But yeah, if they go zero and two, there, there's a distinct possibility they lose those first two games yeah then, you, then you're you're doubling down pushing more Double money across down, the counter yeah. because they're about to rattle off five in a row and you'll be fine once the buy happens so i think yeah, one and one is probably the mean uh result the modal result yes of course but yeah. two and oh is definitely on the table more than oh and two yeah yeah i mean those are going to be just two very good games and i you know like the fact that the so the fact that you, you know you play a lot of good quarterbacks, and the fact that your pass defense is so good uh, when fully healthy, I think gives you the edge early in the season, right? Yep. A lot, you know, because like people know this, but like the arc of a season is passing tends to matter more in the first half, running tends to matter more in the second half from an offensive efficiency standpoint, just because totally of the back. nature of injuries and the weather and all that shit, right? Like there's definitely an arc to the season. And if your pass offense is healthy and electric in the first half of the season and your pass defense is stopping everyone, then you know, you're gonna be the last undefeated team potentially. That's entire that's that's very much on the table in my mind. Um, so, but god damn it, the swoon is there. It's right there on the schedule. There is a bit of a spoon. Fuck. Let's talk about that when we get to Kansas City as far as maybe grabbing them at that point. So all right. It's your superchargers. They're coming. One more thing on the betting plan of attack. Sorry. (laughs) It's all right. It's all right. I knew this one would go long. Good enough run attack. Good enough running offense and good and superlative pass defense makes this the kind of team that I and the and in general aggressive nature happily betting a second half chargers if they're avalied. Like, like this. This is going to be a team that you double yeah, down. Yeah, you want on you want to go like in comeback mode. Yeah. Good fucking luck. Buddy. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, good luck. Guess what? And yeah. if you do score on us, we're gonna just put those seven right back on you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like the Chiefs, like the Browns game. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. No, I. That's yeah. That's that. That checks out altogether. I like it. All right. Cool. Great job. All right. God damn it. So fun talking about I've, good teams. I've,